Hello, my friends. Boy, what a show today. It is so jam-packed. I start off by comparing military recruitment ads, one from Russia, one from China, one from America. Boy, they're just, they're just incredible ads. But the heart of today's show is actually the guest interview. I interview a tag team, Coach Linda Blade and columnist Barbara Kay, who are the co-authors of a new book that Rebel News published today called Unsporting. It's about trans sports, about people who are born male, transition to be trans women, and then want to play women's sports. It's a very powerful book. I hope you get it. I hope you enjoy it. Before I get to today's podcast, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus, which is the video version of this show. You're going to need it to really get the flavor of these military recruitment ads. Just go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year. And not only do you get a lot of value, you get a lot of stuff for it, but you support Rebel News, which is pretty important, I think. We don't take a dime from Trudeau, and we never will. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, what's the purpose of a military? Seems like a pretty simple question. It's May 28th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Today, we launched a new book. It's our first book in a year since my bestseller, China Virus. China Virus is a provocative title, but the subtitle explains things, I think. How Justin Trudeau's pro-communist ideology is putting Canadians in danger. The book was well-received, zoomed up the bestseller list. I just checked today. I hadn't looked in a while. And uh, it's got an average of five stars in reader reviews. That feels good. And uh, incredibly, it's still ranked number seven in Canadian political books. And I couldn't believe it. Another one of my books uh, called Trumping Trudeau is actually number four. How did that happen? That book is... Uh, I don't know, that book's more than four years old now. Anyway, sorry to talk about myself. I hadn't checked those stats in a while, and I was pleasantly surprised. Anyways, the reason I mentioned them is because China virus was banned. I don't know if you remember that, but Amazon refused to put it up for sale for two months, and then when they relented and finally put it up for sale for a few days, and it instantly zoomed to a bestseller, then I don't know what happened, the Chinese embassy or the World Health Organization, or someone complained, because Amazon then took the book down, saying it contradicted official sources, but they wouldn't tell me what sources. And then, after a few days, they relented and unbanned it and put it back up. How crazy is that? Well, I have to tell you, the book we're launching today has an even greater likelihood of being censored than China virus, because it is about the most censored subject in the world. Not Islam, not Trump, not the pandemic, but transgenderism, in particular athletes who were born male but then transition and call themselves trans women and then go and crush it in women's sports like this. This is Hannah Mouncey. Mouncey, up in the rock, gets her own crumb, she straightens up. Oh no, she hasn't, has she? And that's one to Mouncey. Mouncey shrugs her tackle. 
Open goal square. Bang! That's two for Mouncey. Mouncey at the foot of the pack. Throws it on the boot. There's no one home. It's a lucky bounce. That's three for Mouncey. Back with the flight, Mouncey. Too big, too strong, too good. Four goals. Yeah, how much fun is that for the other girls on the team? So, yeah, you say something like that and you're cancelled. I mean, anyone can be cancelled for tangling with trans, even J.K. Rowling, the most commercially successful author in a generation. She's the Harry Potter author, who, by the way, is very woke and very feminist and very pro-gay, but she dared to say girls and boys are different. Well, off with her head. Trying to find a publisher to publish a book like that. Well, you're looking at them. Unsporting is the name of the book, and we will interview the authors, Coach Linda Blade and our friend Barbara Kay, in a moment. You can get the book at unsporting.com or on Amazon. If they haven't banned it yet, seriously, I think there is a real chance they're going to ban it, but we have a backup plan if that happens. I won't tell you the plan right now. So uh, that feature interview is our big part of the show today, and we'll get to that in about five minutes, but first, I think it's sort of related. What's the purpose of a military? Pretty sure it's, it's to destroy the other side, to do violence. When politics and diplomacy fail, to, to do violence, I'm sorry about that, to get kinetic, to be as harmful to the other side as possible, to finally break their will, but first by breaking a lot of their stuff. There are other values in society, especially a democracy like ours, fairness, inclusion, being nice, not being rude, smelling good. Let's call those politenesses or, or social graces, but those are not valuable in a military. Really, the only thing valuable in a military is winning by being tougher, stronger, faster, smarter than the other guys. That, that comes ahead of everything. In a way, it's like sports. It's a pure meritocracy. There are no excuses. Either you win or you don't. There's no affirmative action for short basketball players or fat marathon runners. It's pure achievement. I know that's not nice, but the job of the military is not to be nice. Can I show you a mashup of two countries' military recruitment ads? Now, I checked. This U.S. Army ad that I'm about to show you really is real. I thought it was a spoof, so I went to the official U.S. Army account, but no, it is real. Take a look at this. It begins in California with a little girl raised by two moms. I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength. I'm U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my call. That's real. Now, that tweet by Pardesala went viral. Senator Ted Cruz retweeted it. It went even more viral. And then the fact checkers attacked, claiming that this video, it came from a far-right website or something. They didn't deny its veracity. That really is a U.S. Army ad in there. Yeah, um, they were real from Russia and America. So why was the corporate media, the fact-checking leftist media, so, so upset with that? 
I mean, don't they support the fact that the U.S. Army is becoming more inclusive now? That they're putting tenderness and compassion <laughs> ahead of killing? Listen, I like tenderness and compassion, but not when you're going up against, like, missiles. Have you ever watched a Chinese military recruitment ad? I, I watched too many of them. Uh, I want to show you one from 2018. It's not pure violence. It's not pure machismo like that Russian ad. But I thought it was very effective. I mean, I'm about to show you Chinese propaganda now. Um, all countries do propaganda, especially when you're recruiting for your military. I'm not converted to being a Chinese communist. I'm just saying, wow, I can see this work on an emotional level. This is inspiring if you are a Chinese communist. Take a look. Listen to that, eh? Put behind your comforts. Put aside your comforts. Do what a man has to do. Are you even allowed to say words like that in Canada, the United States anymore? Let me show you a speech that Kamala Harris gave just, I think it was today, to the Naval Academy. Did you understand anything about what she's saying here? You are electrical engineers who will soon help convert solar and wind energy into power, convert solar and wind energy into combat power. And just ask any Marine today, would she rather carry 20 pounds of batteries 
or a rolled up solar panel. And I am positive she will tell you a solar panel. And so would he. <laughs> I don't know what on earth she's talking about, uh, but I know the meaning to me, which is the U.S. military is no longer about killing bad guys. It's, it's no longer about beating Russians or Chinese. It, it's... I don't know. I don't know exactly what it's for. It's about using the right pronouns, I guess. Um, but I think that leftists inherently don't like the military, not just for its militarism, but for whatever remaining masculinity is there. You'll notice Kamala Harris said the typical Marine is a she. That's not statistically true, but boy, she wants it to be. I think the left wants to destroy the military for that reason alone, that it is masculine, let alone their sympathy with Russia and China. How very odd. The left hates masculinity in the military, where I think it belongs. But their willingness to push masculinity into girls' sports seems like just the opposite, doesn't it? That interview about the book is next. gosh, I want to read that book. Well, I already have, because guess what? Rebel News is publishing that book, Unsporting, co-authored by Linda Blade and Barbara Kay. And they join me now via Skype. Linda Blade in Edmonton and Barbara in Montreal. Linda, congratulations. Is this your first book? Well, yes, it is my first book, other than the PhD thesis I wrote long ago and a little manual on coaching. But this is definitely my first book. I'm yes. thrilled. I mean, you couldn't have picked a spicier topic. Um, <laughs> this subject, I want to let you know, this subject is the most censored subject in all of social media. Uh, more than yes. critical comments about radical Islam, more than anything about Donald Trump. If you take on transgenderism in sport, your books will be banned, your accounts will be banned. Uh, why would you be motivated to write a book about such a controversial subject? Maybe it has something to do with your history as a leader of women's sport. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been an athlete, I've been a coach, and now I'm president of Athletics Alberta, and I'm in charge of sport policy, and it's just a silly issue. I mean, we all know that there's a difference between males and females in sports. I mean, it's just so simple. I can't really believe it's so controversial, actually. 
Well, I mean, it is extremely controversial, even calling uh, men who transition into women, even calling them men, that's called misgendering mm-hmm. now. And using the yeah. names their parents gave them, that's called dead naming now. Those are things, just misgendering a trans athlete is enough to get you banned in trouble, I don't know, fired from your job sometimes. Ah, but there you there's the catch there, because even in Canada, when they introduced Bill C-16, they explicitly stated that there's a difference between biological sex and gender identity. And so I can always express my terms in biological terms because that's recognized under the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I'm not misgendering because I'm not calling them like a man. I'm saying they're male. They're male. They're biologically male. And they can maybe identify as a woman. I could recognize their right to do that in society. But in sport, we compete on the basis of biology. So for me... The, the gender identity, gender expression, it's just one of your identities, just like your religion, your politics. We don't pick our athletes on that basis. Huh. Well, J.K. Rowling, uh, I think, took the same position you did, and she was practically fired by her own publisher. I promise you won't be fired by your publisher, Rebel News. Barbara Kane, uh, you, you have been one of the bravest Canadian columnists Very, very few columnists in Canada even dare talk about this. I find it remarkable that you're still allowed to talk about this subject in the National Post, and I give them credit for that. Um, I'm so glad you teamed up with Linda Blade. How did the two of you get to know each other? I I think the first time we got together on this was when uh, Linda published uh, or wanted to publish an op-ed in the uh, post-millennial, and uh, I helped her sort of crafted uh, to be a little more punchy and more on the op-ed style. And we we went back and forth. And I was just so impressed with what she had to say. And at that time, Ezra, you and I had been chatting about some of your books and how well they're doing. And I kind of, I said, you know, I think this coach, Linda Blade, first of all, she was the only coach in Canada, still is, I think, uh, who was speaking out on this topic. And I, I thought, uh, it's one thing for a columnist like me, I write on a lot of topics, uh, to speak out. I don't consider it courageous. I just think it's common sense. But uh, for someone who is in the athletic world, for someone who is is a stakeholder um, in the athletic world to speak out, it seems to be you need far more courage than I would need. And uh, Coach Linda Blade was doing it, uh, unsupported by other coaches and other associations she you know, her, her Alberta Athletic Association supports her in it. Uh, so she's in a position where she's not going to be fired because her her people in Al- Alberta have common sense. And, and I thought, man, uh, I can't write this book because I don't have the authority or the credibility. Uh, but here's somebody who's not only a coach, but she's a former fantastic athlete who um, coaches high performance, Olympic level performance athletes herself. Uh, who is uh, has a PhD in bio- biology, so knows what she's talking about as a scientist. She's got it all. And I thought, I can see that she's a quick study because when we were working together on her op-ed, uh, she learned in about 10 minutes. You know, <laughs> it <Yeah>. was, <laughs> I, I didn't really have to help her very much. She, she got it. And I just said to you, Ezra, I said, I think I have somebody who should be writing a book on this very hot topic. Uh, and you kindly said, well, if you recommend her, uh, go for it. 
So I said, Linda, <laughs> you got to write this book and I'll, I'll be happy to help. Well, let me tell you, I have read this manuscript very carefully. In fact, I was a small part of the editing process. And so I, I wanted to know exactly what we were getting into because we're not afraid of controversy at Rebel News, but I wanted to know the tone and the style. And I was very impressed. Let me just tell you what I like about the book. It is not a mean book. It's not antagonistic. It's not hateful or anything like that. There's a kindness to it. And I would say it's a pro-girls book. You know, there's no, there's no antipathy towards anyone with their own gender issues or identity. It's just, what about the safety of girls and what about the notion of fair play? I like the title of the book, Unsporting. I don't know, I, it was more scientific than I thought it would be. Um, it was more facts, not just feelings than I thought it would be. But I left after reading the book I thought, well, this is an absolutely compelling case against allowing male to feel tr female trans in girls' sports, but I didn't feel like I would, like at the end of it, like it was mean or an attack. I felt like it was, wake up, folks, realize what you're doing. I don't know, that's how I felt. Um, you approached it with a certain kindness, uh, Coach Blade. Tell, tell me a little bit about your own interactions with trans athletes. Well, you know, Ezra, I haven't had many. I've had a few conversations with some. Um, but, you know, the fact remains that I really want everybody involved in sports. Um, that's our job. We're, our job is to try to help everybody in and, and have a good competitive experience. Um, and we're not excluding anybody. If we say there's one category that's restricted to this certain kind of person, and then other people can go into these other categories... That's not excluding anybody. That's just recognizing the level playing field. So I never felt like it was anything against anybody. It was simply to reassert the biology-based, sex-based boundaries. And, and that's really our right. Again, it's our charter right. So I, I think we can balance this thing. And there are solutions offered in the book. So, uh, you know, I was really looking for a way that the politicians and the bureaucrats and sport, everybody can get on the same page. We can recognize and honor and respect everybody's identity, but we can also play fair play. And that, that's really the goal here. Yeah. The book is called Unsporting, How Trans Activism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sport. You can get the book on Amazon or we've set up a special website, Unsporting. Dot com. I love that title, unsporting.com. Now, uh, Barbara, I know that this topic has felled giants. Like, I'm talking about people at the highest heights of celebrity in the sports world, in the literary world. I mentioned J.K. Rowling, even Martina Navratilova. Um, it, we've seen Amazon yank other books. When I was reading this manuscript, I was in the back of my mind thinking, what would Amazon say? Not that we would you know, cut things out or comply with them. I was just thinking, okay, is there going to be a fight? There's nothing in this book that's, quote, hateful. There's nothing in this book that's misinformation or disinformation. But that won't stop people for targeting it. Targeting it. And I want to tell you that we are resolute here at Rebel News. We'll stand by this book no matter what. My own book, China Virus, was censored for about a week by Amazon, but finally they relented. I don't want this book banned, but I think it will be almost immediately pounced on 
by people Sorry. who uh, professionally take offense. What do you think? Well, I think it's, it's, I mean, considering what's happened to other books that have dealt with uh, the whole trans issue at, at all, that's, that's been our fear and, and, and uh, almost an expectation, although I don't want to jinx it. Um, and it would be a shame because, uh, as you say, we're not angry at anybody. We're not fighting. Uh, you know, we, we want everybody to live and let live is our motto. Uh, but, you know, you can't be both inclusive and exclusive at the same time. And in this particular, there's only a few realms in which the inclusivity of people who identify as the opposite sex uh, becomes exclusionary of women um, if, if it's followed through on. One of them is prisons, for example. I've written about uh, male bodies in, in women's prisons. It's a disaster. Uh, or in locker rooms uh, or in uh, women's private spaces where they, where they fear for their own security and safety. So it is a big safety issue. Uh, rugby, world rugby, uh, finally put a stop to male players in, uh, in the women's side uh, because it was becoming a safety issue and there were, there were, actual, um, uh, there were actual injuries. Uh, and so you, you can't, you can't when, when rights collide, and sometimes they do, uh, th I think you have to look at fairness and safety. And if you do, uh, then you have to say, this is, this is where the line is. This is where we draw the boundary. It's not to say that men who identify as women can't compete. They can compete in the male division, uh, or we could have an open division. That's, there are ways to fix this, but the way to fix it is not to spoil it for women, uh, but to make it appropriate for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Linda, um, the idea of women in sport it's, it's a pretty recent idea, frankly. I mean, for the longest time, professional sports was just a male thing. I mean, it wasn't until less than a century ago that the Boston Marathon even allowed women to run. I mean, there's these iconic yeah. photos of police trying to grab a woman who's running the Boston <laughs> Marathon and pull her out. How dare you? So, I mean, we've lived through the golden age of women in sport, and it's almost the only age of women in sport. And yeah. we all see images of a trans, male to female trans athlete standing, hulking above two biological women or girls uh, on a podium. And there's a, there's a feeling of unfairness there, but I, I, I know that the upcoming Olympics, there's gonna be trans athletes there. When it's no longer just one unusual trans athlete who wins, and then the girls who are in second and third, but when all three of the first, second, and third gold, silver, bronze podia have a trans athlete, I think then we'll realize that what we're actually doing is bringing to a close the golden age of women and girls in sport. And as a, as a dad, I should tell you, that's an absolutely terrible thing to have sports cut off for women and girls going forward. I think that's really where we are right now if this continues. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Ezra. I totally agree with you. We have had a wonderful century of women in sport. Uh, and it's taken a long time for all of us to climb up. You know, for example, when the Olympics first started, maybe they had one or two sports where women could compete in. And then by 1928, you know, women, the track and field started up. And then by 1984, finally, they let women do the marathon. And so 
we've been slowly accumulating uh, events to reach parity. I'm not saying equality, parity. So whatever events the men do, the women have uh, their version of it. And so the minute we get to, it's just ironic that the minute that we get to the point in history where we finally reach parity, where the same number of athletes, same number of events and sports for men and women, all of a sudden the International Olympic Committee changes the rule and allows male bodies to self-identify into women's sports. And it just seems absurd to me. And you're right, it is going to ruin sports. It's gonna ruin not only women's sports, and this is what I argue in the book, it's gonna ruin a lot of grassroots sports because a lot of our, you know, for boy, boys and girls, a lot of our volunteers, our parents and women and people who might feel uncomfortable or feel like they're going to be charged with hate if they don't go down some path they don't agree with. And I think this is very disruptive to the world of sport. And I just really worry, especially for young girls, because females really benefit. Young women benefit so much from sport. I mean, all kinds of data out there to show that that if, if a girl, high school girls are involved in sport, they have higher grades, they're less likely to get pregnant, they, they actually are more likely to graduate. And then once, out, once they do graduate, they, most of the CEOs, like females who get to the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, all have had sports in their background. It's very important for the, the, self, the self-confidence and, and understanding how to even lose properly as a woman. Like It's not only about winning, it's about learning how to, to, to compete in the economy, in your job, in your life, and to stand up and take responsibility for yourself. And that knowing that when you do that, the, the playing field will be level and fair, but you have to do your part to fight hard. But if we take that lesson away from young girls, we don't have those opportunities anymore. And I think not only will sports suffer, I think the broader society will suffer and I think the economy will even suffer. I feel we won't have the kind of female leaders and women leaders that we want. And it's not only sports that does it, but sports is a way to get that, you know, to get those those skills and achieve that kind of confidence so that women, we can have strong families, we can all move forward. And, and I think it's just it's just a pity and a shame that we're throwing all this away for some nonsense. It just doesn't make sense. Like the, the rule itself does not make sense. And what you have to have when you have a, a, a scheme for developing a rule system, first comes safety, second comes fairness, and lastly comes inclusion. And, and, and it has to be like that because um, we just cannot afford to be like, even in contact sports, having all kinds of injuries with a, women running into a you know 220 pound male. We just yeah. can't do it. Well, and we know this because in other sports, we separate people by weight class. I mean, you don't have a, a super heavyweight boxer picking on a featherweight boxer. That's not sport. You could call that yeah. inclusion, but it's not entertainment and it's not fair and it's not fun for anyone. And like you say, it's not yeah. even safe. Hey, Barbara, I got a question for you. It's a political question. For, for more than a generation now, uh, political uh, shorthand has said, You've got to win the soccer moms. That's, that's a phrase that polit politicians use for um, moms who are involved in the community and are out in, you know, take their sons or daughters out for sports. And you've got to reach them in a way that's a little bit different than, let's say, their husbands. They might have different issues. They might care more about worry about their kids getting involved with drugs as opposed to maybe the husband might be more concerned about taxes. I don't know. It's just political shorthand. 
Soccer moms, soccer moms, soccer moms, the gender gap. Um, yeah. You know, it's shorthand for things like neighborhood crime and, and needles in parks and schools. My point is, for a generation, politicians have at least said they care about soccer moms and what they think. And I'm literally thinking about a mom in soccer, which isn't particularly a high-contact sport, although it can be. Put aside soccer moms, you know, any other sports moms, hockey moms even. And this seems like an absolute political attack on mama bears who care about their kids and their community. And so my question to you, Barbara, is where are the opportunistic, pragmatic politicians on the left or the right, in the liberals or the conservatives or the new Democrats or the Democrats or the Republicans saying, I'm not even getting into the wokeism here. I just want to, I just know that 90% of normal, you know, soccer moms are sympathetic to people with different identity issues, but they don't want their daughter smashed in a rugby match with a 220 pound guy. Why are politicians yeah. not grabbing this? No, you're, you're absolutely right, Ezra. This is, it's very interesting. I think that when you, when you speak to people and you talk about inclusion, the, in abstract, if you're talking about the theory or the the abstract idea, oh yes, everybody should be included. Uh, it's when you start getting down to the nitty gritty. So then you're fine with you know uh, your 13 year old daughter uh, playing uh, playing hockey against a, a 13 or 14 year old male who's gone through or who's going through puberty and putting packing on muscle and bone and speed and power. Uh, you're fine with that. Oh, well, I, uh, well, uh, you know, I think when it comes down to your own daughter, um, you recognize immediately. And, uh, and if you see it actually happening in front of you, you have to, I guess you have to have a bit of an imagination. I, I can, I can vividly imagine how awful it would be, uh, to having learned a sport, a girl is good at what she does. And then to be intimidated on the ice or on the field, uh, by having a, a soccer ball, say slammed into her at twice the speed that any girl can kick it at. Um, that hurts, and that, that puts you off your game, and it puts you off your confidence. And it may mean that next year, you know what, I don't think I, I want to go out for soccer anymore because you already know there's going to be one or maybe two people on the opposing team that you're afraid of, that you're literally you know, afraid to uh, come into contact with. That's, that's just not okay. It's yeah. just not okay. So uh, as a mom, as a grandmom, I mean, I have a... 15-year-old granddaughter who's a very serious hockey player and she's terrific as a girl she's a great female hockey player but now she's 16 she couldn't compete against a 16-year-old boy hockey player there's just it, you know when she was nine she was playing against boys and she but the minute that puberty starts the girls have to be on their own team and the boys have to be if that's just the way it is and everybody understands the yeah. the the level of of um uh, speed and size and, and weight and everything else goes up so and aggression yeah. on the boys' side. It's just it's a different sport. It's yeah. a different sport. And uh, pragmatic people, people who are realists, they understand that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Well, it's <laughs> not even sport. Ball. It's not even sport to see a six foot something guy crush a, a petite girl. That's not sport. And uh, that's why I think the title of the book, Unsporting, is so spot on. Well, listen, it's such a pleasure to talk with you two. I really enjoyed the book. I learned a lot from it. I didn't actually think I would. That's some arrogance on my part, but it was also ignorance. I just didn't know all the science and all the history and all the 
politics and the statistics in here. We've got graphs in the book. There's a ton of footnotes. Uh, I really feel like I benefited from this book. I'm really excited that we're publishing it. I promise you that we will lean into the hurricane if one comes. <laughs> we will not allow this book to be deplatformed. And in fact, I don't want to give it away. But we learned a few things from when China virus was deplatformed. And I can promise you too that God forbid this book is deplatformed in its first distribution uh, mode. We have a, an emergency backup ready and I don't want to get into that because God willing it'll it'll proceed. I would like to speak to the viewers directly and say this. It's an excellent book. You should read it because it's an excellent book. It's interesting. It's timely. Uh, you're going to learn things you, you didn't know. I, I, I felt like I knew this issue before. I learned so much in it. But I think it is absolutely critically important. I'd even call it a sort of patriotic duty that if Coach Blade and Barbara Kay write this book and we publish it, We've got to support this because they are showing tremendous courage. Tell me another Canadian author or even an American author that's written a book like this. Tell me another publisher that would do it. So we have to show the world that just because the woke karate don't want this book published, don't want it read, doesn't mean we're going to comply. So if you go to unsporting.com, you can learn a little more about the book, see a little book trailer, and you can order it right there. And I hope you do. Because if we can get this book to be number one on the Amazon.ca list, and I think that's a possible goal, not only that will be a wonderful signal to Linda and Barbara about how the book is being received by viewers, but it'll be a signal to the rest of the cowardly class that they don't need to be so afraid anymore. In fact, if they show a bit of courage and a bit of intellectual honesty, they might actually be rewarded by the public and by book viewers and book readers and book buyers. So please go to unsporting.com. Linda and Barbara, great to talk with you today. Congratulations on this book. Well Thank done. You. And um, I hope you have great success with it and we'll do our best. Thank you so much, Ezra. Just great to be with you and thank you for your tremendous support. Uh, it's true, I don't think we could have gotten <laughs> published by anybody else in Canada. Uh, so, <laughs> well, it's an outstanding yeah, book. You. And thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ezra. Thank you, thank Barbara, you, too. I mean, Barbara, you helped me all uh, through this. So this, I'm not this the writer. Project. That's why I can write this book. I'm not a writer. I'm a coach. So you're really a writer now. No, you're a writer now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I have to say, I, just as a final thing, what a great pleasure uh, it was to work with Linda. I don't think we ever had a tense moment between us. Uh, we're both, uh, you know, it was about the book, not about ego, not about you know, uh, so it was just uh, from beginning to end, it was my COVID project and uh, made the time go fast. And I loved every minute of uh, made a new friend, well, that's, <laughs> a great friend. Thank you. Me too. That's thank wonderful. Yeah. And it is my wonderful. goal thank that you. tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of Canadians read this book. I think the facts in it will change hearts and minds. It'll give people ammunition and arguments to fight back. And maybe we'll help move the culture just a little bit. So the book again is called Unsporting, How Trans Activism and Science Denial Are Destroying Sport. Stay with us. More happy. Hey, welcome back on my show last night. Bruce writes, fact checkers only became a thing when the truth started getting out. Yeah, I think it, 
it became a thing when leftist media or corporate media or establishment media started trying to disparage and discredit their own competitors. So often, fact checks are for rival journalists, not even politicians. Same thing, right? Fact checkers to keep the facts in check, not check for what's factual. Yeah, you know, I don't mind a fact check. If there's a fact that's wrong, I think that's actually pretty important. But I'd say 95% of what calls itself a fact check these days is actually an opinion check. Mark writes, I like what the guest said at the end. Google is not worried about hiding. They have a woke agenda. You're so right. You're talking about Alan Bokhari. Um, yeah, once upon a time, these tech companies, when they were just testing the limits, what could they get away with? They were taking baby steps. Can we ban uh, Alex Jones? Like they would start with the, they would be so careful, so cautious, and only take on the most rambunctious cases. But now they don't care. Who knows? Who's going to stop them? Joe Biden? Well, what a week, eh? I hope you uh, have a chance to pick up our book, unsporting.com. Buy it because it's a good book. I read the book. I learned a lot from it, which I didn't honestly expect. I thought it was very well briefed in trans politics. I was not, uh, at least by the standards of this book. I learned a lot. Uh, Linda Blade uh, is a bit of an expert, and I enjoyed that part of it. But also get it because I think Rebel News is the only place in Canada that would publish a book like this. So I want to show the rest of the world that it's okay. That in fact, you might even have a bestseller on your hands if you take a stand on something. So it's morally important to me that this book do well and be seen to do well. I want it to go up the bestseller charts so we can say to the world, look, if you actually get out of your woke mindset, you'll do well. It's our show for the week. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.